It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody could ever tell you that you couldn't do it, because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants Mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us that way, you certainly can. Thank you so much for being with us. It's all on the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of all our podcasts on the Giants mobile app at Giants.com slash podcast. But more importantly, on all our favorite podcast platforms, a search for Big Blue Kickoff Live, Giants Rewind, or the Giants Huddle, and you can find your most recent shows there. I just put down one with Sean O'Hara yesterday on the Giants Rewind podcast. We went deep into the Giants offensive line and things of that nature. So I really recommend you guys go Check that out. As for Big Blue Kickoff 5, it is presented by the New York Lottery. Get out there and play. Mr. Paul Dottino, how are you today, sir? Um, well, John, how are you? Although maybe I shouldn't ask because your new Twitter logo seems to indicate you're afraid that Knicks are going to screw up this draft tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I, I've actually was, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but I was debating like doing the Twitter like you know face change for a while. And I was going to go like, I don't want to put my daughter on there because, you know, you don't want your kid up on social media. I was going to put a picture of my dog, but then I said, eh, that's a little boring. So I figured, what best represents 2020? And I figured, <laughs> my face in my hands, looking depressed, and I thought that was just perfect. So that's what I went with. I think okay. that's fair, right? Uh, I think it's absolutely fair. I'm just equating it to the Knicks screwing up the draft. But I think uh, the 2020 uh, reasoning is quite good, John. Yes, I agree. I think it is as well. All right, Paulie Dot. So let's um, talk about this a little bit. You were on with Lance yesterday. You guys discussed uh, the game against the Eagles specifically, which was a great win. And I guess I'll give my little spiel on it now very quickly. And we already yeah. have three calls on the line. I want to get to the calls very quickly today, kind of go rapid fire, get as many as you folks in. And just to remind everybody, we will not have a show Thursday or Friday this week. We need a couple of days. So sorry, we're taking them. <laughs> and uh, we will be here tomorrow. Fegels and I have our show tomorrow, though. So we'll have plenty of time to get your phone calls in. Then we're back on Monday and Tuesday, and we'll have plenty more bi-week talk coming your way on Big Blue Kickoff Live. And to me, Paul, this is just a continuation of some of the stuff. I know you mentioned this with Lance yesterday, so I don't get too deep into it. From what we talked about in the beginning of the year, right, we knew the front half of this schedule or the front quarter of this schedule, throw maybe the Cowboys in in week five, was going to be very difficult. You were playing teams that were returning a lot of their players from last year. Specifically, the Giants' offense were, was going to struggle against some of the best defenses in football with Pittsburgh, Chicago, the Niners, the Rams. And then the Cowboys, obviously, were the opposite. They're very good offensively. But that was going to be a struggle with no offseason and things of that nature. And I know one of the goals, and I think Len might have asked us this question the first week. It might have been a different caller. How would you guys consider this season a success you know how do you judge whether or not this season is a success and I think we tried to warn people I think me and you are actually on this probably more even than Lance and Jeff that while obviously you worry about the record you want to see significant improvement throughout the year and the team that takes the field in December is significantly better than the team that took the field in September yeah well I think we're seeing even the team that took the field on November 14th two months after the season opener on September 14th, is better. Is it where they need to be to be a playoff team? No. Do they still have to continue to improve? Absolutely. Are we throwing a party for three and seven? No, and you shouldn't. You know, just because you're in, you know, shooting distance of the division 
because the other teams are so bad, that's not something to throw a party over. But it is showing that there's progress from the coaching staff, learning about the team, figuring out how to use the talent to win, and more improvement, progress from these players within the system and as individuals becoming better players and figuring out a way to win these games. And I think that's a good sign. Again, your record is what it is, to quote Bill Parcells. You, you are what your record says you are, Paul. But yep. you're seeing progress. And at this point, after what was a really rough start to the season, which is unfortunately what we thought might have been the case, you're seeing progress in some important areas. Well, John, I think the interesting part about this is for all of the prognostications and all of the things we try to tell people about positively and negatively during the offseason, the one thing that we could not factor into the equation was the loss of approximately 2,000 yards of offense from Saquon Barkley. I mean, that's the one thing we could not predict either way, good or bad. Now, the funny thing is that the running game's actually been better since Saquon's been out. Well, as the offensive line has progressed, well, and, right? and I think this, And they think they've schemed things up to fit the strengths of the offensive yes. line, which I think is something a lot of people miss, Paul. Like, the first couple weeks, Jason Garrett and Mark Colombo are, what are these guys good at? And, you know, you want to use Saquon Barkley in outside zone, right? You want to get him in space. Sure. Let him use his creativity. Well, guess what? This offensive line was really bad at that. <laughs> I mean, they were just bad at it. They weren't mm-hmm. good at the scheme. So even though it fits Saquon, it didn't fit the line. So they've adjusted to more of a downhill power, counter, you know, duo, double teams, you know, that sort of downfield running style, and it fits the guys that they have, and it's worked. Well, I think, John, it's also gone to the defensive side of the ball where we know that Patrick Graham, when pressed, would like to play much more man-to-man in press coverage. Absolutely. And you know what? With this team, he decided that's not the best way to go, and he's been playing a ton of zone. That's the mark of a great coaching staff. They understand how they have to adjust. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think, you know, the coaching staff learning these players, and it's something, by the way, that Joe Judge did talk a lot about in the offseason to adjusting what we do to what these players do well. And I think that's where preseason games could have been very informative for them to see how they did in these situations, even in small sample sizes. It's tough to see in practice because you're going against your own talent. So you're not exactly sure how that's going to work in a real game. So I do think that hurt this team a little bit. And I think more importantly, Paul, you know, we're figuring out how this team is going to win games. And the way this team is designed, the way they're built, by its nature, they're going to play relatively low-scoring close games. This giant team simply is not going to go out there and beat somebody 38-13. to Now, if the other team gives up a special teams touchdown or a pick six, you know, things like that, all right, maybe you might get a lopsided score here or there. But the way this team is built, this is not going to be a team that's going to outgain the opponent by 250 yards, put up a 38 spot, uh, punt the ball one time at a game, and win games that way. They're going to play close to the vest, relatively conservative football, and that's the winning formula that this coaching staff has come up with given the talent that's on the roster. And for the last three games at least, it's working. Yeah, you know, John, I'm, I'm really curious as we continue to move forward and watch these guys develop over the second half of the season. Now that the coaching staff has a much better feel for what these players can and cannot do, and they've already started, as you said, to scheme things to better fit those guys. Well, where is the next level or next step of improvement over the final X number of games before we get to the offseason? Really? I mean, and that's, that's what I don't know right now. 
Where, where is that next step? Is it is it going to be another small incremental jump as the team continues to inch forward back to respectability? Uh, or if, uh, do they kind of level off right here and they really have yeah. to wait till next summer to to start making a bigger leap? I don't know. It's a great I question. I don't think any of us do. No, Paul, I think it's a great question. And I don't know if you're going to have another level defensively um, because I just think, you know, it is what it is. You know, a, a pass rusher off the edge is not going to just show up out of nowhere here and end up getting a couple sacks a game, right? Right. I don't think you're going to have somebody emerge as some great man-on-man cover cornerback. So I think the defense is going to stick with what they do. You know, I think you make incremental improvements and maybe you're tackling to prevent some of those bigger plays on, on catch and runs. Uh, I think you have to clean up the run defense from last game for sure because the Eagles ran it right down the Giants' throat in that game, which I don't think anyone expected, but they did. Um, I think defensively, that's what I look at. For me, offensively, I think you might be able to see the team open it up a little bit more with the passing game where you don't have to rely so much on quick game. You don't have to rely so much on max protection and play action. Maybe you can do some more five- and seven-step drops, and maybe you can trust your offensive line to pass protect a little bit longer. And I think, I don't know if I mentioned it was you last week or maybe was it Lance. You know, these three games after the bye, Paul, against the Bengals, Seahawks, and Cardinals, they're three of the worst pass rushing teams in the league. They're all in the bottom quarter of the league in terms of pressure rate, sacks, take whatever stats you want. Maybe in those games you can say, all right, Daniel, it's second and eight. We're going to run a five-step or seven-step drops where it takes the routes we're running about two to three seconds to develop, and we're going to trust the offensive line to protect for you, and we're going to give you a chance to cook a little bit and make a couple of big plays down the field. I think that, for me, is the next step of progress for the Giants' offense. Is the line ready to do that? We'll find out. But I think if you're looking for a next step, that's the next step for the offense. I would agree with you wholeheartedly, John. And again, and by the way, does... we have not talked about this pre-show, by the way, folks. No, we have not. no, not at all. Not at all. And I do think the crux of that next step is, as you just said a second ago, the offensive line. Because if they can continue to make that incremental progress, then the potential for another step with this offense is possible. If they can't and they have leveled off, then what we now see is what we're probably going to get for the next five or six weeks. I I don't think you're right, short of potentially uh, Zimenez uh, or maybe McKinney, uh, you know, coming in and getting some reps and I mean, making you, some spectacular plays. Is Carter Coughlin maybe having a chance to emerge a little bit? Maybe, uh, maybe. Probably a long shot, don't you I'm, think? I'm reaching. I'm saying I'm not reaching. I'm reaching. I, I, I'm thinking <laughs> Zimenez and McKinney are the only guys who might be able to make another jump with that D, but I don't think that's likely, and I don't think it's a large jump. Yeah, remember, McKinney is going to come in and probably be your third safety. I mean, I'm not taking Jabril Peppers or Logan no, Ryan off the no, field. No, no, but playing, I, I am so. thinking that Coach Graham is going to try to get him involved and get his feet wet, and you will see some three-safety stuff with him in oh, there. Oh, no, I agree with that 100%. You know, and, and I don't put it past him to be able to make some big plays because we saw he could do that at Alabama. So so I think that's about the only hope you have of making a further jump with the D. It's going to have to come from those two guys. And I don't necessarily know if that can be a big leap. I, I suspect not. On offense, 
But I, I, I'm with you there. If the offensive line continues to creep along, there's no reason why you can't see more big plays out of that unit, led by Daniel Jones getting more time to make more of those throws. Because I do think it's important to, to note, and a lot of people I don't think have really talked about this enough, Paul, um, in terms of breaking down why the offensive line has played better. Because they have played better. You look at the pressure rate. It was still fairly high against Philadelphia, but against Washington it was lower. And and this is why people look at the raw numbers. Ah, the Giants are averaging, you know, you know they're still bottom of the league with their numbers, even though it's you know over 20 points the last few games. It's still not where you want it to be. And that's all that is true. But I think the way Jason Garrett has been able to scheme it up to hide some of the issues with the offensive line, it has escaped notice from people. And the way his, you know, a lot of times when coaches have to do that, you know, you can trick people and, you know, figure things out for a quarter or a half or maybe a game, but then other teams figure out your little, you know, schemed up stuff and it it gets shut down. Well, Garrett's been doing this now, you know, since that first Eagles game on the 22nd. And he's been doing a lot of interesting things on offense to get the ball out quickly and still move the ball without doing some of those longer drops. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that, even though the offense still isn't some, you know, downfield explosive play fest. I agree with you, John, and I think the other significant change goes back to what you said about the outside zone stuff, which we knew that Dallas had a lot of, and of course Colombo had a lot of that when he was bringing it here to the offensive line. But then what happened? After Barkley got hurt and they tried to figure it out and it wasn't going so good, all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, wait a minute now. We got Goldman. We picked up Devontae Freeman. Maybe we got to run some more inside stuff. And then they picked up Alfred Morris. And look at how great they're running between the tackles now. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other thing I'll point out too, Paul, is I think the introduction, and I know you you hate it, but I think even you have to recognize this. I know. I know where you're going, John. You had to do it, didn't you? Daniel Jones, (laughs) his, his production as a runner is great. And it's you get explosive plays out of that, which, by the way, really helps when you don't have as many explosive plays in the passing game. But I really think Daniel Jones' threat as a runner has opened up the traditional running game. If you watch the game tape on, I know you do, these other teams' linebackers and safeties, they're not filling holes and not filling gaps on the initial run action. You're right. Because they're starting to be afraid about Daniel Jones taking it and getting one of those 30-yard plays, those 80-yard plays, those 50-yard plays that he's had this year. And it's allowing this downhill run style to succeed because they have to account for Daniel Jones. You know, just look at how good the Ravens running game was last year, right? Because people worried about Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson keeping it. Robert Griffin III, when Alfred Morris had his great rookie year. You know why he had a great rookie year? People were worried about Robert Griffin III holding the ball and taking it himself. So all that stuff comes together, and... It has helped the running game. And the last thing on the running game I want to say, Paul, and you can comment on all of it, and then we'll get to your calls, is I haven't looked at the numbers. I'm going to do that later on today and maybe later in the week. But I feel like you're not getting nearly as many negative plays on these runs that you've gotten in years past. That puts the Giants into second and 12 and second and 13, which then puts you into third and long. You know, the Giants have avoided those types of situations the last few weeks, which is one of the reasons their offense has been a little bit more efficient. Yeah, I I don't think there's any doubt. And I want to go back to what you said about Daniel Jones, John, because, you know, we said yesterday on the show with Lance, and I know I'm pretty sure you were you were around the office when we were talking about it. He's got the athleticism of a wide receiver. He really does. 
And and I know that I, I'm pretty sure. Straight ahead mistaken, wise. I would say straight yeah. ahead. He isn't quite as shifty side to no, side. No, no, no. Straight ahead, no. sure. But in terms of his <laughs> running ability. Yes, that's fine. And, and here's the thing, okay? It's play speed. It's not 40 speed. Because if you look at his 40 time, he uh, he was in the four sixes at his pro day at Duke. And he was in the four eights at the combine. So his 40 speed wasn't terrific. But yet, when you watch him in these games and he takes off, John... He runs away from people. He does. Yeah, he does. and separation. From safeties. Yes. No, I know. I know. As he goes downfield, he's pulling away from guys. Yes. And that, and that is a classic example of play speed and why I still can't understand why we put so much emphasis on the combined 40 time when the fact of the matter is when you start putting on the 10 to 15 pounds plus of equipment, some guys get slowed down significantly when they got that stuff on and other guys for some reason don't. Yep. And play speed matters. And I know a lot of fans have said, oh, we're surprised that Daniel Jones can do that. Well, you should have listened to our show when they drafted him because we talked about those 40- and 50-yard runs he had at Duke on similar plays where he had big gains like that. He had, a, I think, a 60-yard touchdown, a couple 60-yard yes, touchdowns at Duke. So this is something, you guys, if you're listening to the show, I know all the people listening were, that this is something you knew he could do. And again, he's more of a runner than a scrambler. He's not a guy that's going to buy extra time with his feet to throw the ball. He's going to run it. You know, there are two different types of quarterbacks that way. Like Aaron Rod- I think Lance said this yesterday, right, Paul? Yes. Aaron Rodgers is a scrambler. Tony Romo back in the day, right? Scrambler. Brett Favre, scrambler. But not necessarily guys that are going to run it. You know, Daniel Jones is more of a run-straight-ahead guy, <laughs> not to use your quickness to buy more time type of oh, guy. Do you have any idea how that makes my skin crawl? Uh, and that's why I like bringing it up time and time again. <laughs> I know you do. All right, we got a full bank of calls I want to get to you. It's 201-939-4513. It's all presented by the New York Lottery. And by the way, the New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games once again. Head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please gift responsibly. All right, let's get to the calls at 201-939-4513. Let's go to Jason in New Haven. He'll lead us off today. Hey, Jason. Uh, how you guys doing? What's up, Jay? Hi. Um, I just want to thank you guys for taking my call. I haven't uh, talked to you guys in a few months, so I want to thank you. Well, thanks um, for calling in. Just three. Thank you. Just three things, and I'll try to make it as quick as I can. I you got the callers. Um, I know I might get a little flack from this, probably from other callers and maybe you guys, uh, which is fine. Um, and we can't go back in, in, in the past um, and redo things. Um, but I was talking to a few friends of mine, and seeing how our run game has really opened up, um, and please forgive me, I'm going to say it, I'm a big Barkley fan. I think he's explosive. He's one of the most talented guys in the league. That's evident. There's no really discussion on that. But if I may say, devil's advocate, to me this goes to show, like I said, I know we can't go back, but it goes to show you really don't need to pick a running back that high in a draft unless you have other pieces already in place. Jason? Offensive line. Yes. No, I, no, I'm not, I'm, I, look, and I think you're, you're going to have a split hosting duo here because the point that you're making is the same point I made that year of that draft. And, Paul, you remember it. I've said that multiple times, I right? Know. That the running game is more impacted. And, Jason, you, I, have to, I apologize for interrupting you, but I was all excited because I kind of agree with you. Um, that yep. the run game is more impacted by the offensive line than the back itself, right? And, frankly, by the quarterback. Right. 
I think if you look at teams right. that have great quarterbacks, odds are they're going to have pretty good running games because teams are worried about the quarterback, to be quite honest with right. you. So I, right. I, I'm more in your boat, and now Paul will give the counter argument. Well, no, uh, yeah. to me, the whole thing is that Blackley is not just a running back. I believe he is too much of an offensive weapon who also not only changes defensive coordinators as they scheme for you, but they've also got to deal with him as a threat in the passing game. And that's so fair, too. That's I fair totally too. concur with the other side of the argument if the guy is just a running back. I do think that Barkley is just – he's another level, and there are very few guys who I would make an exception for. He simply is one of them in my book. Now, Jason, the other argument, too, is that running back is such a fragile position, and it's so hard to keep guys right. healthy at that position consistently. Look, there are some guys that stay healthy. Like, Ezekiel Elliott's never hurt, right? It, it just he's, right. he's lucky. But Dalvin Cook hurt all the time. Barkley now, second straight year, he's hurt, too. So it's a position that's just very fragile. And that also makes you wonder about whether or not you're going to put all the resources into it. You know, though, John, take a look at the injuries to quarterbacks over the last five years. If you're going to just go by that, well, then can't draft a quarterback because those guys get hurt, too. Well, not as much as the running backs, too. Come on. Come on. How many backup quarterbacks have had a play in the last three, four years? A lot. Right, right. It's it's not at the same level, though. Go ahead, sir. Right, and and – and like I said, I love Barkley, and this is not to bash Barkley. This isn't a bash Barkley call. I love Barkley. I think he's great. No, it isn't. It isn't negative. Something. It isn't nothing negative about right. Saquon. It, it's about the position itself. And right. I don't honestly and think there's a hundred percent right or wrong answer here. It's a matter of preference, and it's also a matter of individual right. circumstances. Right. And you know, and I, like I said, I'll make it quick. When I go back, and I'll, I'll wrap this section up of my call. I wanted Nelson that Chapter year, um, but but we can't go back. But um, just seeing how Gallman's running with the threat of Jones and Alfred Morris, I think those one-cut backs really help our offense. I love Barkley, but to me he does a lot of – and part of his offensive line, again, again, no use to him. But to me he did a little more dancing than straight. I'm going to just hit the hole, and whatever I pick up, I'm just going to take the yard. You know, so Jason, that, it's, that's my first question. And, and it's funny. I, I yep. think you make a good point. I would love to see how Saquon would run in this scheme. I would like to see if he does get downhill more and does more one-cut stuff. You know, he was never really in a power scheme like this, so I'd really be curious to see how he would run within this scheme. We don't know the answer to that. We're not going to know the answer to that till next year. Right. But I do think right. that's a very interesting question. I, don't, I mean, obviously none of us have the answer to it because we haven't seen him do it. Okay, uh, two last points. Um, I think one big thing that I, I, uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys have um, talked about, I didn't hear the, the um, show yesterday, but I want to go back to the second half. After the Eagles scored, after they came back out at halftime and they scored their drive, I think one of the big things of that game, and we've seen it, you guys who have covered the Giants for years and me as a fan, We've seen this this uh, movie before where <laughs> yes <laughs> they 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 have folded and it was so good to see Daniel Jones go to Shepard on that thirty yard pass then go to uh, uh, Tate, Tate yep. on another thirty yard that to me was so important because all right we got punched in the face but then we punched the Eagles right back in the face again and that to me was the drive of the game. That drive after the Eagles scored when when Gallman scored his second touchdown, that to me was the winning drive of the game, in my opinion. Because we didn't fold and it gave the defense some more energy to come back on the field. All right, final point, Thirdly, Jason. Yep, go ahead. Yep. Thirdly, I just want to say I know this guy's gotten a lot of criticism. 
for the trade. But to me, outside of Bradbury, Leonard Williams has been a defensive MVP in our team, in my opinion. Um, his pressures, um, to me, he seems like he's taking leadership roles with the defensive line from what I can see. And I know he got a lot of slack in the trade. Not his fault, but I think he's been big. And I just wanted to see what you guys thought about the last two points that I made. And I'll take it off the air. Great. Thank you, Jason. Good call. Um, would I make Leonard Williams my defensive MVP? I would probably give it to Bradbury. And I might make Blake Martinez second, but him and Leonard Williams to me are neck and neck. And by the way, I think Logan Ryan's in that mix too, to be quite honest with you. I think all four of those guys, and even even you can even throw Peppers into that mix, and you know, he's been important too. But to me, those those three, Bradbury, Martinez, Williams, and then Logan Ryan, a close fourth, are the most important guys in the defense, Paul. And look, Leonard Williams has been great this year. I I don't think anyone can complain about the way he's played. Well, you know, John, when you take a look at a team that was in the bottom three of the NFL defensively and is now in the top half of the league after only one season because of, what, five key acquisitions of defensive players, either through trades or through free agency, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to single out any one particular guy. It's probably going to be, in spite of the fact that we know the four core elements you have to have include a cover corner, it would probably be hard for me not to vote for Blake Martinez. Um, He does call the signals out there. He's a three-down backer. He's tied for the NFL lead in tackles so far. He's made enough of tackles for a loss to make him impactful. Um, I, I'd probably have to give my vote to him, but that's not to take anything away from the other veterans you just mentioned because, again, this is all a credit to Dave Gettleman who was able to retool and rebuild this defense to something that is no longer a liability. No, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. And then I'm with you. I know you and Lance said this yesterday, too. To me, that was the biggest drive of the game, that answer after that Eagles score on that Boston Scott long touchdown run. And then the offense answered there, and then the defense got three stops in the fourth quarter to close out the game. So no question. It was, it was a nice, but John, nice team win. Go back, and you know I've been harping on this, and I made a point to do it yesterday, and I'm going to do it again today above for the, anybody who didn't listen. Above the X's and O's, baby. That's it. Make the plays. Go above the X's and the O's. The Giants had two incredibly important contested catches on that drive. And don't you notice, over the last three weeks, the Giants have had those now. They weren't getting them earlier in the year. And when you're going to play, like to my point, right, the Giants formulas to win these close games. Winning or losing these close games comes down to a couple plays like that in every game, right? Yep. That's what it comes down to. So it is what it is. 201-939-4513. Giant fans get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants. Member FDIC. All right, let's go back to the phones and say what's up to Big Ed in Maryland. Big Ed, what's going on, pal? Hey, guys. How y'all doing? What's up? Hi. Guys, 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 guys. Guys, isn't this great? We got ourselves a real football team. Did you hear me? <laughs> Sit down, Big Ed. We don't we don't want you to collapse on us now, okay? Relax just a oh, little bit. No. That happened to Paul no on Sunday night when he collapsed, so yeah, I I, I don't want that to happen again. Look, um, on um what was that? Uh last week or something? We were talking about something. We were talking about Oh yeah. We were talking about um how um 
how his team plays differently. And now, man, all of it. I, I just don't like that premature. I, I'll just say the stuff I don't like. I don't like that premature talk. I don't like the fact that just talking about fine Gettleman and doing all this and doing all that. These guys really did their research. And when they did their research, they have an understanding. I got so much we could talk about, but I'm just going to say that little part. You know, the research and show we've got the right coach. We put the right team together. I'm still trying to figure out who this defensive coordinator is. I'm loving what he's doing. He's keeping us in the top ten, Paulie, which makes it great. But, John, I feel like Saquon has a um, – he got a target on his back, man. He won't be able to get what he should be able to get because he keeps getting hurt. And that makes it tough. That's why it worked successfully having the smaller running backs to get through because when you have a running back that's shorter than your offensive line, he can hide and get between the yeah, tackles yeah, but, and run. But, but, but Big Ed, I mean, he, he tore up his knee on a play outside the tackle box when he got – the tackle when he got hit in the legs in the yeah. open field by a defensive back. I mean, I don't think that has anything to do with him being targeted for a size. No, no, no I got to be with John. Well, on if anything, his, his, his insistence on trying to break every tackle and do so much with the ball in his hands, that might be more of an argument than his size. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like, it's almost like saying like Walter Payton and Earl Campbell. You got a key on them so hard, and the way defenses play, if they do so many run blitzes, it's making it impossible to get off the get off the snide. So that's right. But another thing, though, in this game of football now, anybody can get play get hurt on any given play. It does not matter. Well, they're bigger, stronger, but, yeah, and faster. But, okay. We know that, Big Ed. We know that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just the nature of the game nowadays. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But look, I don't want to hold y'all up, man. We got a lot of calls. I'm still celebrating. I'm so excited. I just feel like we win five. I did. I'm personally six, but I'm being realistic about it to have understanding. We we win the last four out of six, five at the most. We're in the playoffs, and we started how bad? Don't ever doubt this team again. Ever. Thank you, thank you, they play right. to the top level every right. week. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Big Ed. All right, I, I'm going to have to use the pump the brakes expression there for a second. <laughs> if they're in any other division in football, we're not having this conversation, okay? Uh, this, this is true, but he's certainly allowed to of enjoy course, himself. I John, know. but, but I don't, I don't want to be throwing out like top level and like elite level. Like they're not no, playing toe to toe with the Kansas City no, Chiefs now, okay? No. And, and actually, I, I should, I should just mention this to be one thousand percent accurate. Now, after the yardage that they gave up to Philadelphia uh, over the weekend. The Giants in yardage rankings are now 16th. Right. So they actually did fall just a tad out of the top half of the league due to the yardage in the, in the Philly actually, game. Actually, 16th is right in the top half, right? That is well, the, last on, team the, on that, the last the team in the top half, yes. You're on, yeah, you're on the equator. Yes. Yeah, yeah you're on the equator. Um, here's what I would say, though, John. And uh, you and I have not actually had this conversation. I've talked about it with Jeff and, and Lance. Okay, what do you got? Uh, I believe seven and nine does win the division, and I think it's not out of the question that six could, depending upon the tiebreakers, and that's one of the reasons why, with the Eagles tying the Bengals, I think they get the inside track. I agree on a six-win division winner. I agree. But though, but I'll tell you are what, you with me though that seven would do it? If you look at the Eagles' schedule, I have a tough time getting them to six. 
To be honest with you, I really do. Well, I mean, you know, it's a tough every- go, man. It really is, Paul. I'm with you. Look, I'm with you. <laughs> John, think- it's going to be hard for any of these teams no, to get no, the No, no, I'm six. with you, which is why I'm saying I think seven is a guarantee you win the division. You're, so you're with me there. I think seven that, locks it. I think there's a better than 50% chance the team that wins the division wins six. Yeah, well, then that tie with Cincinnati that the Bengals already were able to register against Philly is going to help the Eagles significantly. Yeah. For the biggest, look at it this way. For the Giants to get the six, right? Seattle, Baltimore, and Arizona are going to be really tough. Those are going to be really tough games. Then you have at Cincinnati, which, by the way, people seem to be poo-pooing the Bengals off of the bye week for some reason. The Bengals probably are a better team than Washington, and you have to go on the road to play them. So not an easy game. Good offense, okay? And then Cleveland's been a pretty solid team. And Dallas, who knows what they're going to look like on January 3rd. They're kind of – they could be good. They could be horrible. They could be decent. I have no idea what that team's going to look like on the 3rd. So there's a path to six there for the Giants that I think is realistic. If you finish sure. the season, 500 in your last six. But it's also going to require them, Paul, to play as well as they did against Philly and yep. play as well as they did against Tampa. Like, if they play as well as they did even in that win against Washington, they're not going to go 3-3 three and three the rest of the way. I'd agree with that. They have to play as well as they did against Philly and Tampa. If they do that, they got a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I absolutely agree with that, John. And, you know, the other thing is, too, and, and I, I agree with you also, and we're agreeing a lot here today, uh, that the Seattle and Baltimore games, they'll be heavy underdogs. Okay, I don't think there's any doubt. They're both on the road against two teams that are bona fide playoff caliber teams. Yeah. Now, at the same time, we've also seen Seattle and Baltimore on a couple of occasions this year lay eggs, too. Well, in fact, both teams have not played well the last three weeks. Actually, okay. you know, it's funny. You actually wish you're getting them now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 yeah. In like four weeks, they might have their acts together by that point. They may. They may. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, again, as Lance likes to say, and boy, do we really want to give him credit when he's not on the show. No. But as he likes to say, you know, you never do know what team you're going to get, and that's why to project further down the line doesn't make a lot of sense because in this league, especially in these days and times, you you really you, you can't bank on what your opponent's going to bring to the table. Yeah, no, I'm Paul. I'm I'm, I'm with you 100%. You, you don't know what these teams are going to look like, who's going to be healthy, and all that stuff. I want to remind you folks that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games once again. Head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please gift responsibly. And by the way, I should mention, I should have mentioned this off the top, I didn't realize that the Giants had released the name of the player that they placed on their COVID list. We are on like a, basically a two-hour company-wide conference call, so I was not able to look at social media before oh, I, I tuned into the show. That's okay. I thought you didn't mention it for a reason, so I laid off. No, I don't mention it now. So, Graham, <laughs> Okay. Graham Gano was the player placed on the on the COVID nineteen list, and the special teams group is the best group to get that because those guys really don't commune with anybody else all that much. <laughs> so there's hopefully should be no cross infection there. I believe they sent what two staff members home. I think they said in the release, right? That's so, what they said in the statement. Exactly. Yeah, and Ryan Centoro, the former Titans kickoff specialist. Uh, from the practice squad, was elevated uh, as the COVID replacement player. So if the Giants do need a kicker against Cincinnati in a week and a half, Santoro would be the guy. Santoso. How does he say it? I don't know. Santoso? I'm sorry. Paul, it's Italian. I expect you to take care of this stuff, man. I don't think he's Italian. Oh, you don't think so? I think he's of other descent. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe not. Maybe he is. I don't know. Santoso. It's Ryan Santoso, oh, not Santoso. Santorso. Okay. There's Got no it. R in there. 
Okay. You see, I'm thinking there's an R in there because that would make because it more that, Italian. Because that would make it more Italian. It would Absolutely. be. It would 100%. be. Yes. Ryan Santoso, <laughs> okay. uh, former go. University of Minnesota <laughs> kicker. Yes. Anyway. Absolutely. All right, folks. 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants chat. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Hugo in New Jersey, I believe, has been on the longest. Right, Pearson? Let's go to Hugo next. What's up? Yeah. Good afternoon, guys. What's up? I just want to take a, a minute to uh, – acknowledge the, the great interview uh, Paul did with Coach Parcells that was posted on the website a few weeks ago. Thank you. You're very Paul, kind. I think, yeah, no, you, you asked excellent questions that got him to reveal his thinking and his emotions. I think towards, towards the end, I was shocked when he said he was going to take a shot at the end zone in the championship game instead of sending Matt Barr out there, but it was Ron Earhart who talked him out of any game comfort that this guy bars money, so put him out there and take the game-winning field goal. That was that was the first time I ever heard that, and it, it was just a, a wonderful interview. Well, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say, and we need to be truthful here, that was not a part of the conversation that we aired. So I'm not sure where oh. you heard that from, but it's okay. Oh. It was a good. It was it was a fun time anyway. Okay. Well, maybe I'm mixing up my interviews, but you did a great job. That's okay. Uh, it's always good to okay. talk to the tuna. <laughs> great. Hey. um, Going back to what this season, uh, I was always in the camp that this season was about uh, establishing the foundations for uh, a winning program, and it starts with coach and quarterback. I think it's becoming more and more obvious that the coach, the coaching aspect, has been checked off. I was always in the camp that you know Daniel Jones was a good quarterback. He sort of proved it to me last year. I think the questions about him coming to Lee were actually about his arm talent, and his. I think his arm talent has exceeded expectations. Um, but, you know, uh, I think I'm in the Phil Sims camp, and I said this in some earlier show, that uh, he was in under tremendous duress, right? So he's shown tremendous toughness, and then he was trying to do too much, and he was trying to do too much because the team around him was struggling and because, you know, when you're, when, when you're under so much duress, you just don't know how many more chances you're going to get to make a play, right? So uh, I think he's gotten some of that, uh, corrected, and I think what I saw in in the last game, which gave me a lot of comfort throughout, is more confidence pre-snap. Because I think he won the pre-snap. Uh, the the nuance of that is the timing uh, of the the pre-snap process was excellent. He was getting Philly to commit to what they're doing, and then he was adjusting. And I think that put him in a favorable position to execute the plays. And that was a, a, a nuance that I think I saw for the very first time, level of confidence and winning the pre-snap read, which is something, by the way, Eli used to do very, very well. You know, Hugo, so I thought really the play that signaled his growth and really the offense's growth the most in Paul, maybe this even is to what we talked about, where the team can take that next step, right? And Shona Harris is going to do a big video breakdown of this on the strongest play, which will be on the website, I think, next couple of days. Um, he does the full telestrator of the whole deal. Was that, that pass to Golden Tate in the second half? Because he was going to throw it to Evan Ingram on the deep over route, the deep cross. The safety jumped the route. Jones starts to move his arm to throw the pass, sees the safety come, gets off of it. The line gives him time to get to his second read, which is Golden Tate on the other side of the field. And then he makes the contested catch. So, to mm-hmm. me, I thought that was a great sign of the type of things they can do if Jones continues to process and move and the receivers make plays and the line protects. I thought that was a great uh, coming together of three different factors that have been issues at different points of this year to make a really big play that helped the Giants win the game. 
Yeah, I, I'm yeah. on board with you, John. And and just to the caller's point, and I'll make this real fast because we would like to let you finish your call. Uh, Carson Wentz suffering through some of the same things this year with Philadelphia because his offensive line had been a jumbled mess. He had lost a bunch of receivers to injury. He had lost Sanders, his lead running back, to injury for a number of games. And so what is the natural instincts for a quarterback who is supposed to be the leader of a team? Oh, I got to make a play. So what happens? He presses, and he starts making more mistakes than he's supposed to. That could even happen to a veteran. Yep. Never mind a young guy like Daniel Jones, who's only two dozen games into his career. It is ridiculous to me how more people could not logically connect the dots and see the reasons, not excuses, but the reasons partially why, in addition to being young, Daniel Jones needed to learn through this maturing process. What's your last point, Hugo? Well, uh, I guess I want to go back to this uh, uh, Saquon Barkley debate a little bit. I I, I like the pick, and I like the pick for the reason that Paul mentioned, which was I saw him more as a weapon as opposed to a running back. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't think he's been uh, as effectively used, and maybe there's a coaching point, uh, as, for example, Alvin Kamara in the passing game. I mean, he does catch screens and he does catch dump offs, but, you know, he hasn't caught a lot of wheel routes or stuff downfield. And, and I think what's more alarming about Barkley is that he's been forced to stay in. So, so how, do you, how do you mitigate his, his explosiveness in the passing game? You keep him in, force him to block, which he actually hasn't done particularly well. And, John, I don't think it's at all surprising what Barkley is because in your pre-draft analysis, you're the guy who warned us, yeah, he's 230 pounds, guys, but he runs more like a small back. I mean, you were you were very clear about that. I tried to be. I, I, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I like Wayne Goldman because I go back to Gerald. I remember when David Wilson was here, Gerald Ingram once said, is he a runner or is he a running back? <laughs> and when I see Wayne Goldman, I see a running back. Short mm-hmm. area quickness good contact balance, great instincts because he has a good feel for angles, he has spatial awareness. I think, you know, those are a lot of the qualities I like in a running back. Now, if there's a big hole there, it would be nice to see that long speed of Barkley. But I like those six, seven-yard gains that Wayne Gallman gets us. So that will be my last one. Thank you, Hugo. Appreciate the call, bud. He makes a really good point here, John, and we talked about this after Barkley's rookie season about how even though he had caught 91 passes as a rookie, we expected to see him go downfield a whole lot more and become more part of the vertical passing game. Well, once again, the spider web of pro football rears its ugly head because Hugo is 1,000% right. Part of the reason that they refused to get Barkley downfield more involved in the passing game was because the offensive line wasn't providing enough time and they needed him to either stay in the backfield or be the the bailout, the check down, the dump off. And when you're doing that, you're taking away some of the most explosive plays that he could use to threaten a defense. Well, the Giants' offensive line is now improving to the point where I think if Barkley was in the lineup, they could get him more downfield like Kamara does with the New Orleans Saints. So, Hugo, it's a very astute point on your part, and I appreciate you giving us the chance to explain it. Yeah, and by the way, I should have said this before, but, you know, 
Yeah, the Giants' running game is fine right now. And by the way, if you just look at the running backs without Daniel Jones in the mix, the running game is fine. It's not like elite. They're averaging like no. four yards per carry. It's, it's acceptable. Fine. So if Barkley's in there, I mean, it does take it to another level. You know, let's yes. not fool ourselves. Here. No, 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 no. He no. would make a significant difference if he was the running back here. Again, assuming he runs well in the scheme and all that other stuff we talked about. But it, it would just bring a whole other dynamic of explosiveness to that run game. That's That isn't there right now. No question. And again, it makes he's an excedrin player, John. He forces the coordinator to have headaches because they need to worry about what he can do to you. Yeah. The bottom line is you just want your units to be functional. In the Giants running game right now, the running backs are functional. Correct. And, and to your point, Paul, we're not seeing teams bring eight guys up in the box against this Giants running game a whole lot. No. The Eagles did a little bit more in this past game, but we haven't seen it a bunch. Well, guess what? If Saquon's in there, you're getting eight guys in the box. That's right. And that'll then open up stuff in the passing game. So... There are, as you to your point with your with your onions and your spider webs and however else you want to peel or tangle, <laughs> there are impacts along the way here in terms of how it impacts the game. Just one other thing on Jones very quickly. Uh, I think Paul, you made a great point. I'll just add to it again. Second straight game he was playing with the lead, and I think I got to look back at this. I haven't. I don't know if you have, Paul. I yeah. feel like the Giants' first drives, like the last four or five games, have been phenomenal. They seem to get down the field and score on, on a lot of them. I got to look at that, but I feel mm-hmm. like they've been very strong. And I think getting these leads early has helped Daniel Jones, you know, tone down the aggressiveness, for a lack of a better term. And I'll also say this. It's a lot of luck. I mean, look, the NFL's luck, Paul. That ball against Washington squirts out of Daniel Jones' hands with no contact. If Washington happens to recover that and not Jones, we're talking about how his turnover could have cost him the game. Last week against Philly, a ball that he airmailed on a slant literally hit an Eagle defensive back in the face. <laughs> If that eagle catches that ball, we're having a different conversation. Previous weeks, those guys made those plays. This week's they didn't. And it just shows you how I think luck and fortune and results can sometimes impact people's percept overall perception too, based on what happens in the game otherwise, which I think is funny. Well, look, uh, I, I've been preaching about the quicksand of mediocrity for a long time. And with so many teams bunched up in the middle of the talent scale in this league, what you will see are more games that the results of one's wins and losses are decided by fluke plays and officiating than maybe the actual talent on the field. I've been saying it for years, John. I believe it. You don't have to agree or disagree. That's how I feel. And un- until until things change, I'm going to continue well, to feel well, that way. Well, there's very little separating most of these teams. Now, there are tiers, obviously, that separate certain groups from others. But for the most yes. part, it's going to be a play here or there that's going to decide who wins these games. I'm with you, which is why turnovers have become such an important factor. Uh, because it's hard to really overcome those given the you know, equity among teams in the league. Uh, to your point, by the way, in the Giants' three victories in their last five games, all three, the Giants scored first, just to fortify what you had said moments ago. And I ago. believe they were either even or ahead in the turnover battle in all three. I had not also? done that. I had well, not done that check. The last two for sure. I don't remember the first Washington game, whether or not they won the turnover battle or not. I can check that. All right, let's go to uh, Rick in Tampa. He's up next. Hey, Rick. Hello. John Paul. John Paul. Hi. What's up, What's up Rick? How you doing? Uh, We're good. How are you? Couple, well, for one, Paul, I agree with you, and you said, and you've been saying, if we would have had preseason games, if it would have been normal year, um, you would look at four preseason games, three preseason games, and then the first couple games of the year because of all the new coaches, coaching and everything, 
where we stand right now, very similar. We played, you know, eight, nine games, and it's very similar. Not a surprise that things are starting to click a little bit. Uh, so that, that's always a good point that you make, and we can't lose sight of that. The uh, I tell you real quick, Barkley, if he's healthy, when he comes back, he's going to be like, whoa, where are all these holes coming from? I can start <laughs> shooting daylight. That's some luck. <laughs> yeah. So let's not forget that it could be something super exciting. So let's, uh, you know, let's, I can't wait for him to come back to be able to this, but the way this offensive line has been playing uh, the way it's moving forward. It's I can only see getting better. I have a question for you. Um, The defensive line, you, I, are you surprised a little bit that they gave up so much on the run because of, I mean, we're not, we're not going to be a sack machine team, but I would think the offensive defensive line could be, Definitely better in run stopping. Uh, Did you notice that? Do you see that? Well, heading into that game, Rick, they were a top five run defense team in the league. Now, they did not play well against Philly. I thought Philly gashed them a couple times. And now what the Giants have been able to do this year, Paul, is play their two safeties deep pretty much exclusively Mm -hmm. because that front has been so good. While the Eagles took advantage of that, and I think one of the things I heard, and they used a lot of that read option stuff with Wentz early in that game, which I think kind of took another giant player out of that initial run action, which I think gave Philly a little bit more space. But until I see that happen again, I'm not going to worry too much about the run defense because before this game, Paul, they had been so good. Well, even with this game included, they are 10th in the NFL in terms of running yardage per play uh, at just over four yards a pop. I don't have a problem with that. And to be honest, yes, the numbers and the stats – they, they do kind of give you a guide of where you want to be and what you want to do and what you'd like to improve on. Rick was talking the, defensively, Paul, I think. Defensively, the run, the run game, not offense. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking defensively. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah because uh, defensively, they're sixth in the league. In yes, yes, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, there is, okay. you're, you're right. They're a shade under four yes. yards mm-hmm. of carry, which is sixth in the NFL. You're absolutely right. Sorry I, about I'm, that, I apologize. Yep, okay. Oh, it's my fault. It's my fault. I appreciate you fixing me on that one. <laughs> my point to you is, though, that – what you want to be able to do is adapt to the flow and the situations in the games. And sometimes that will skew the numbers and the stats. So while you do like to use them kind of as a parameter as to like, oh, we'd like to be in that ballpark. We'd like to be somewhere between 5 and 10. Well, that's nice. But the specifics of where you land, given the circumstances of games, not as critical as one might think because you can certainly vary. Right. Uh, you know, I, one more thing. Um, the uh, excitement of coming up and playing uh, Cincinnati, we do have the bye, so there's going to be some time off, but then they're going to be preparing. And I, what, what I love about Joe Judge, and I don't know if you were there for his interview, the press conference at the end of the game, because you think, well, they're going to be, you know, getting a little bit, you know, big in the head and this kind of stuff. Will he stay focused? He was, he was, there was someone was asking him a question. And I, was there music in the background or something? Yeah, it was something. I don't know what it was. Something. It was something. And all of a sudden, he goes, yeah. you turn that down? You know, he was, like, so focused. He's like, you know, he's – I don't think he's about – he's the kind of coach who's going to give up an inch or anything. He's going to be focused, very Belichick-like, and uh, be have this team ready for a, a rookie quarterback in Joe Burrows that we should be able to go out there and beat. So did, what, I, I was curious of what that was that he was upset about. Was it music or something coming from the background? Thank you, Rick. Appreciate the call. That to me was very Coughlin-y. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it that was. is that is all I could think of as he did that, and I just started laughing because that is totally something Tom Coughlin would have done. 
hey, kids, stop making all that noise. <laughs> That's pretty much what it was, right? It was great. I loved it. And it's it, 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 it was funny. I thought it was great. I don't know. But that's just me. No, I I did too. And I guess we got the impression right from talking to Bradbury on the Zoom call after the game as well that apparently somebody had decided to boost some music in the locker room and they were dancing a little bit. And that's probably what bled over into the room where Judge was. But I'm just taking an educated guess. Joe Judge not having it. <laughs> no, no. And you know what? Hey, here's the good news, John. You know this because you've been around a while. Coaches, you know, they've got a cooling off period where they can address their team after every game before they have to talk to the media. And Joe Judge uses every minute of that, by the way. He does. <laughs> he does. He, he, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall because this is a guy who clearly makes it his business to address his team and fully understand the uh, magnitude of the moment after a game. And, and he's not coming in to, to talk to the media even one second earlier than he has to because he believes that that, that post-game moment with his team is very, very important to him. And I respect that. I really do. All right, we got two more calls on the line. I'm going to take you. But first, got to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games once again. Head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please get responsibly. And, Paul, I looked it up. Uh, obviously, they were even in the turnover battle against Philly this week. Win, plus five against Washington, week nine win, and plus one against Washington, week six win. Okay. It's not a surprise. The right. only other game that they won the turnover battle in was the Dallas game in week five, which right. they came up short in that game. Right. But other, every other game, they were either lost a turnover battle or they were even, and obviously all of those were losses. So it shows you how important it is. You got to protect the football. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Joe in Pennsylvania. He's been up the longest. Joe, what's up? Hey, uh, great win. Uh, you were talking about, you know, we we gave up a lot in the run. I was just wondering, and I, and I heard Wintz talking and that, too, that the linebackers were playing back more in the passing lanes there, mm-hmm. and they were more concerned with the pass than filling in the lanes for the run, and that could add something to do with it, too. Well, you know, and Joe, I, I don't blame him. Look, because Doug Peterson, as you well know, is a passing head coach. He wants to pass the football. And frankly, I thought the Eagles got away from the run too much in that game, especially when it was working so way early, so well early. He's always, he's always like that. Their coach and Winston at, they're getting hounded by the fans now. I'm glad the monkey's off Daniel's back now that he can breathe. <laughs> yeah. uh, honest to God, I because he went through some rough weeks there with them interceptions. Boy, when he was up to the mic, that's all they were were drilling him with his turnovers and holding the ball. You know, uh, he played, but the whole team played a great game, you know. I mean, holding the Eagles to, what was it, 0-9 on third down, and we mm-hmm. converted half of ours. The, the specialty team, 70-yard punts, and, again, kicking the big field goals, uh, Peppers returning the ball, you know, all around, uh, uh, we, we held them, we had them backed up, you know what I mean, on the goal line, they, they talked about that, that they had to march the field, and the Giants defense played back deep, you know what I mean, and, and made them drive and earn everything, and, and, and that was tough, you know, and, and I'm just uh, proud of them, and I, I think here going forward, then, whoever we meet, as long as we play tough in 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 the pits there, you know what I mean, where we can 
bully and run the ball. I don't care if it's with Baltimore, Seattle, or two. We, we'll fight them in the pits and we bully the ball and try to control the ball and, and play good defense. You know, we'll be in the games, you know, and especially teams. So we're playing all around good ball. So that's turning the corner. Joe, do me a favor. With all your fans out there in Pennsylvania, I want you to remind them whenever they want to get on Daniel Jones and his turnover deal, just please tell them that in his first two seasons with the Steelers, Bradshaw had a losing record and threw a combined 46 interceptions in 27 games. That's 46 picks in 27 games. You know, it doesn't automatically mean gloom and doom. There is an opportunity for a guy to turn it around if he's got it inside. Their mouths are zipped. They're on Wentz now and Peterson, so <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. But uh, uh, a, a week or two ago, you, you had a call, you know, saying that Slayton wasn't a number one and he couldn't beat uh, their cornerback their, uh, there. In that fourth quarter, he, big he beat them. He made it. He beat him twice. He yep. was one on one, one with him. So, and he had ninety some yards. So, I mean, he, the 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 kids coming too. He can beat him. What's it? What's their cornerback's uh, name there? Darius Slay. Yeah. Slay. Yeah. He beat him. He beat him twice. And I thought early in the game, I thought he was out. He went out where it with a shoulder injury mm-hmm. or so, and it, and he came back in. He played tough. You know what I mean? Coming back in. So, uh, no, I'm pr- I'm proud of the teams all around. One thing I want to say, and this might, uh, you might not want to hear this one here. I wish we could get this Baker back here, even if we bring him back and trade trade him again. Because I mean, he's the number one pick. Who, where did we get that? It, where? How did he end up being our second number one for sixteen or seventeen? It was a third. It was, it was actually Joe and Dexter off the call. We got to run. That was, he was their third number one pick that year. Mm-hmm. They traded up into the first round. Dexter Lawrence was the second. Uh, they traded. A, I forget what was it a, a four, Paul, to move up into yeah, that first and round. They had a swap like a pick, yeah. and it was with Seattle, I believe. Yeah, to, that to sounds about right. So yeah, so they moved up to pick him, and uh, from you know there, there there's no indication that Joe Judge was asked that the other day, and he didn't seem to be indicate that he's going to be back. So didn't sound like it. Nope, it did not. All right, let's wrap up the show with Charlie in Portland, Maine. He's up next, Charlie. Hey, Paul. Hey, John. So we got to the end of the show, and now Charlie can take his big bucket of cold water (laughs) and just pour it all over the place. Well, Charlie already knows I'm not talking to him, so it's quite all right. You go ahead and handle the cold, John. (laughs) No, Charlie, he's got got to repent before I have anything to do with him. Why? In what because way? because he, he has been filleting Daniel Jones like a fish forever, and I simply told him time and time again, be patient. <laughs> the kid is young. He's going to grow out of it. He will mature, and it will all happen. Well, now it's starting to happen. I don't want to hear from Charlie for a while. <laughs> well, Paul, hey, well, you've got headphones. Well, put them on because here we go. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> now, what i got to say is this. Look, we're play- we've beaten bad teams. That's what we're supposed to do, beat bad teams. Well, Charlie, but here's the thing. Team, they, right? weren't, they weren't beating bad teams before, so it's still a step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I agree. I agree. But just like you brought up, and I'm glad you brought it up, Jones could have had a turnover in that game just before the half that could have changed the complexion of the game if that guy could have caught the ball that was right to him. And good teams are going to catch that. So he hasn't stopped his turnover uh, capabilities. We're just lucky that they haven't 
caught them at that time or got that fumble in that Washington game. So he hasn't corrected that yet. That's it's, it, what, it know, is getting better. It's, it's not. Is it gone yet? No. Yes, is it getting yes, better? Yes. Yes. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. It is getting a little bit better. But wait till we play the Ravens and the Cardinals. You were just talking about, you know, having a quarterback that can run the ball. And that you know, wait till we, wait till our defense tries to stop that with the with these you know with a quarterback faking the run and then you know uh, Murray taking off or Jackson taking off. I want to see if this defense can actually control that or hold them down. Well, we'll see. We haven't been. I know, and I don't think we'll be able to, but maybe we will. <clears throat> the thing is, we haven't. There was one we played Tampa Bay pretty well. In that, I mean, Tampa Bay is a good team. Well, they're kind of Jekyll and Hyde. One week they're great, one week they stink. So, you know, I don't know how good they are. We'll find out at the end of the season how good they are. But, you know, we've we've beaten just Washington and Philly. They're combined. They've got five wins and twelve losses. I know that. Side. We said that. We know. You know. We know. We get it. We get it. I know. And so that's all I'm saying. And the other thing is. Gallman, who is a good running back, wouldn't even be playing as much if Freeman didn't get hurt. Because that's who they preferred. They preferred Freeman over Gallman. I mean, Gallman was, so, was in the Alfred Morris role when Freeman was healthy. Exactly. So we were lucky that he got injured. So now we're watching Gallman play the way he can play. Why this guy was put in the doghouse, I don't understand it. This, all he's done is shown that he can play. So maybe now they'll realize that this guy can play and they'll let him play. And let me say one thing about Judge. Final point. I don't get, I don't, yeah, I don't get why this guy is so obsessed with not allowing people to be individuals. So if Strahan was still on the team and LT was still on the team, he wouldn't allow them to celebrate a sack. The whole team would have to go with them and celebrate a sack? Come on. Look, there's individuals. There's people. There's teams who have won Super Bowls that hated each other. The defense hated the offense, and they still won a Super Bowl. It's just, to me, it's like, I, I, what I say is, what, is, is Judge a socialist now? You know, he, all it is is about the collective and not about individuals. Individuals build the team. I understand that, you know, you have to have – uh, you know, can't have be totally selfish, but to me is if you have a wide receiver who doesn't want the ball, he's not a very good wide receiver, period. I can understand if you had a punter saying, I want to punt the ball, I want to punt it, give me the ball. A wide receiver needs, every wide receiver wants the ball. Yeah, but you don't so yell don't it publicly under- in, to, a, to a television camera, Charlie. Well, yeah, well, that's where the frustration came in for him. But, I, yeah, I, I, I'll agree with that. But the thing is, I just don't like the control that, that Judd is trying to place on this team. This control. How do you think Bill Belichick coaches, Charlie? How, how do you think Bill Belichick coaches? How do you think Mike Tomlin coaches? Oh. Yeah, but you know what, what about Belichick? And, and how about Belichick Tomlin? Went, no, let me talk about Belichick. <laughs> Belichick went off the grid so many times because he tried to cheat all uh, the time. All right, all right, he right, cheated. He new cheated profile picture. Let's all go. The time. <laughs> Stop the photo. Right? He did. Right. Thank you, what? Charlie. We got to go. We got to go. John, do you now understand why I'm done with Charlie for a while? And 
Pearson, I'm now boy. I'm seriously. I'm boycotting him for a while because Pearson, he's gone. He's gone <laughs> over the shark, and for a while he's not going to be allowed to talk to me. That's just that simple. And you're right. Pe- Pearson can now take a new profile picture for me with my head in my hands because that's exactly what that was for about. 35 seconds there in the middle of that call. Yeah, I, you know. So, this, so this now the guy so, who so now the team concept is bad. <laughs> is, is, is that right, what we're going right, for now? Right. He'd rather have the inmates <laughs> run the asylum, and he'd, he'd rather have loose coaching staffs. And of course, what did that lead to the last couple of uh, administrations before the Giants finally got it right with Joe Judge? How did that work out? It, it's uh, unbelievable. Anyway, it's not like the players aren't. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not even going down the road. I'm not. I'll just let it sit there. What you said is is more than enough. Yes, sir. <sighs> Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. It's on the Giants mobile app at giants.com/slash/podcast and your favorite podcast platform. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games once again. Head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to five hundred thousand dollars. Please gift responsibly. Paul, we're not going to hear from you for some people, thankfully, until next week. Enjoy, there you go. enjoy your weekend. You enjoy, too, John. Enjoy your bye week, my friend. It was a pleasure as always. Rest up. I need you back here. You're a little low energy today. I want you back here and energized <laughs> <laughs> on Monday, okay? I'm just trying to keep everything into perspective, John. No, That's I'm just all. Kidding. You are never. That's low. all. You are never low energy, Paul. You know that. That's we're all good, man. And hey, I will, enjoy enjoy the next draft, will you please? I will try not to be utterly disappointed. Jeff Fegels <laughs> and I'll be with you tomorrow, and then again we are off on Thursday and Friday this week, and then Paul and Jeff will be back with you on Monday, November 23rd, and then next week is Thanksgiving, so that will just be a three-show week, I believe, as well. We will have yeah. no show on Wednesday or th- on Thursday or Friday. So, yeah, you miss us a couple days, but we're here. Check us out. Thanks for being with us. For Detino, I'm Schmelk. See you next time. Adios. Stay safe.